Hello, and welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb. And I'm Christina. Together, we are bringing you ideas about education, entrepreneurship, and relationships that are both inside and outside the box. If you like the show, be, for, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook. And leave us a review on your favorite uh, podcast platform. Today, we have the pleasure of having Nick and Desiree with us, and they are going to help us talk about entrepreneurship, relationships, and maybe even some education as we get to know them a little bit more. Welcome, Nick and Desiree. We're so glad you've joined us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we appreciate it. We're glad to be here. So as we get started, um, first of all, we, um, we'd like to have you tell people a little bit about what you do in the spaces that you're occupying and what, what really is driving you forward right now. Yeah, um, I guess I can start. Um, okay. So my name is Nick Wingo. This is my wife, Desiree Wingo. We have been married for 15 years um, and we have had an incredible journey uh, through our lives. Um, we, I was a firefighter for 18 years. Um, I su suffered significant post-traumatic stress um, and had to leave my job. And my wife has supported me significantly through that process. Um, we have just really been on a journey of really figuring out what entrepreneurship is, what it looks like, and how we can use it to get out of our uh, what our what our normal what what our normal was in our right. previous life. Um, and so, really, entrepreneurship for us has, has been new over the past couple of years. Um, when I left the fire department, we really um, were understanding what we were going to do and where where we were going to where we were going to go um, because I was so uh, I was so, my identity was caught up in being a firefighter and that was what defined who I was and so leaving that has been a, a fairly difficult journey of figuring out what to do with ourselves and how to operate in this this new world of entrepreneurship um, it's been quite the journey for us yeah, so that really brought us as he left the fire department to, to really start evaluating our purpose, where we were going, what we were doing with life, kind of like a reset. And so we both started working through trauma and like just starting doing a lot of inner work and trying to be like, where are we going? What are we doing? And in that process, we really just started realizing like what matters and Nick built his brand, Building Grit, which is all about, you know, have, I'll, I'll let you explain Building Grit and then I'll explain mine. Yeah. So my brand is all about uh, post-traumatic self, post excuse me, post-traumatic stress and self-discovery. Uh, so once I left treatment, um, I, I lost several coworkers over the course of my career, uh, several to suicide, several to line of duty deaths. Uh, and in fact, when I left treatment, one of the guys I was in treatment with, when we got back, he committed suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I went on this path of really discovering what healing was for mm -hmm. me and really finding uh, everything that I could to help to uh, manage my post-traumatic stress. Because I believe the post-traumatic stress is something that never goes away. It's just something that you learn to manage. Yeah. Um, so I, right now, I've been working with men on helping them to uh, rediscover their emotions and their feelings mm -hmm. uh, and really get connected with their inner selves. And I use things like breath work. 
Uh, that's one of the big modalities that I use personally is the breath to um, come connected back to the body. And then once there's a connection back to the body, really discovering uh, what's truly within you. And so that's kind of where my brand has taken me. And that's where the space I'm in currently. And then when Nick was in treatment, um, I realized I just had a bunch of stuff. I'd been shoving down a bunch of my inner child trauma, um, just kind of was sexually molested, never talked about it till I was older, just a lot of stuff I'd shoved down and never dealt with. So I started working through that, through counseling and through other healing modalities. And then I ran into um, Christ-centered yoga, um, which is really, during this point in my healing, um, like I realized I was a reformed people pleaser. I just like, I just realized a lot about myself that I wasn't honest, that I wasn't being an integrity. I'd show up one way here and one way here and just stressed out and always working on making people happy and not really being authentically myself. And so I started being like, what do I want? Who am I? Um, and I'm like, I want to live an aligned life. Like I want my priorities to match how I'm living. And then like, as we started healing, it was our roles and our relationship changed. Right. Cause I was more in the shadows, like, like behind Nick and more of just like, you know, wanting to please people, wanting to make him happy, not wanting to ruffle feathers, wanting to tend to the kids, all that stuff. And then, so for me, it was learning to have a voice, use a voice, and then learning the healing of modalities of movement. I started learning like how trauma is stored in different areas of our body and how movement heals that and the power of the mind. And then when you bring in the yoga, I could have my faith keeping God at the set because God is what his kept our relationship together. And so it's been like me tying that all in with yoga, with God being my center and the strength of the mind, and then being able to tap into like the strength and the warrior and the positions and bring in the breath and the healing. And like, for me, it brought everything together when I had lived this life that was so chameleon oriented, show up this way for this way. Don't let anybody see I'm hurt holding these deep wounds. And this was like this, ah, oh, I can be me. And so then we came together and brought it together. And it's been teaching our kids that. So bringing our kids into some breath work exercises and yoga and feeling our feelings. And yeah. um, so for us, that has been learning how to do life different and modeling that for our kids. And sorry, we've been talking a while. We should turn it over to you. <laughs> no, I love it because it's that entrepreneurship journey. And a lot of people think, oh, you know, sometimes you just like jump in with both feet and you just kind of like go for it. But then other people like you were doing, you've been building and exploring and working on things and entrepreneurship, especially people who are just starting out need to hear that there's different stories, different paths to how you get into this thing called entrepreneurship. So, yeah. And it's amazing. The more we talk to people, the more um, entrepreneurship is pretty much trauma related. So mm -hmm. it's like people who are just fit into society and going through life normally don't can take that nine to five job and be okay and live that and be okay. Mm -hmm. But you know, it, it's when people get hurt and don't fit in and stuff starts going wrong that they have to get out that they find entrepreneurship. So, so like entrepreneur, the yeah. trauma is like the birthplace of entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I love how you were saying that you were like rediscovering yourself because your identity was in the firefighter identity for so many years. I totally agree with that and understand that because being a teacher for 27 years and now stepping away from that 
classroom teacher role and rediscovering myself as this entrepreneur who's trying to bring education to families and help them. I totally understand and, and resonate with that. Exactly. And so we've been married how many? 30, 33? 30, yeah. 33 you years. You say 33, I say 31, but you know. Because I, um, you know, if, if, if the wedding were actually important, then the divorce rate wouldn't be so high. So the, the relationship comes when two people make a commitment for, mm -hmm. for life or longer and actually mean what they say. So the for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. So when, when you got hurt, she, she took the for worse seriously. Um, when she got, got hurt, when I got hurt, she took it seriously. Mm -hmm. She, she got dizzy. I, I took it seriously. So we've had lots of ups and downs Sense and that well. commitment to each other. So I, I've been married longer than she is. <laughs> yeah. I go by the date on the paper, but that's okay. Anyway. So yeah, no, I mean, it's just amazing and beautiful how being entrepreneurs hopefully can bring you closer together. And that's what I was hearing through your story is that your relationship has actually gotten stronger and, you know, we've been entrepreneurs for over, yeah, for in and out, back and forth for 30 some years. So it's been interesting as our relationship has grown and built as well. So take us a little bit more into your breath work and your healing modality there. What um, maybe kind of training have you done? How are you like presenting that to people to help people out? Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing right now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I went out and I started seeking any modality I could for the healing. And, and so my journey started out um, really after I came out of my 35 time, 35 day timeout. I like to call it my 35 day uh, pause in life that I took in treatment. I like that. I realized that there was this was going to be a lifelong commitment towards managing the stress. Uh, so I went out, I started seeking anything I could, um, and I, uh, I went out and did some psychedelics, which helped me significantly, ketamine, it helped me, de um, psilocybin, helped me to get off my, um, my medications, my daily medications. Yeah. But those things are, are, are great. They're not something that you can use daily to manage your stress. And so I was looking for something that daily I could use to manage my stress. Right. And that's when I, my, I was watching my wife and what she was getting into. Mm -hmm. uh, and she had been looking into breathwork. And so I got a, an, interested in it. Um, mm -hmm. And I went to Tulum to learn about, I went to a five-day retreat to learn about, this was really my, my first full interaction with breathwork. I had been doing Wim Hof breathwork. Mm -hmm. um, so I had started out doing Wim Hof breathwork and I started to realize how powerful the breathwork was. Uh, and so I just wanted to dive deeper into it. I went to Tulum for five days. I did a, a, a fully immersed conscious connected breath for teachers training. Um, and actually when I was there, it, it was some of the deepest states I have been in uh, to this date was doing the conscious connected breath work. I was reaching as high a state as I had been in with the psychedelics which was rather surprising to me. Uh -huh. um, and when I came back from that, I had added this thing to this new tool to my system um, that was very powerful. And the conscious connected breathwork is really great. That also is something that can't be used daily because it takes you very deep. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's open mouth breathing. Um, it's very intense. It is, you get into very deep states. It is uh, something that is very powerful. Um, but I just knew that it wasn't going to be the 
it wasn't enough for what I was seeking. Mm -hmm. So then I went to Ibiza, Spain for an eight day immersive, um, uh, um, immersive class. And this breathwork is called Soma breathwork. And Soma breathwork is, um, is rhythmical breathing to binarial beats with Mm -hmm. breath holds and ohm chanting. Um, It's a very powerful breathwork. The music that's used is very powerful. And so this is the breathwork that I lean into on a regular basis. This is the one that I teach the most Uh uh, because I can alter the breath and I can incorporate conscious connected breathwork into those sessions. And so this is what I use. This is what I, what I teach. This is what I share with people on on a regular basis. Um, I do a a couple sessions a week and it, it is just Um, it's really amazing what you can do with your breath. And if you haven't done breath work, if you had an opportunity to do breath work, um, time and time again, when I do sessions with people, they're always blown away with, with what happens with the body and, and, and where they go. So that's a little bit about how I've used the breath work and where I'm at with it now. Um, her turn. Yeah. Desiree's turn. Yeah, tell us more about your yoga and the Christ-centered or the Christian-centered, yeah. Yeah, um, so mine is I do some workshops and I do classes and there's so many different types of yoga. So yin is really my heart, my favorite. Um, that is where you learn to find your edge and you back off a little and you kind of find, get used to sitting in the discomfort. And so the yin is a lot of finding your edge, sitting in that discomfort and holding it there. Um, And so when you incorporate the Christ centered in that, I have, you know, it's a lot of like spiritual connection and I do do both, um, but Christ centered is really my passion um, just because I've had a lot of healing there. And again, we talk about movement and where we hold stress and there's a lot of healing that can take place even without words. And so that's really my favorite, but there's also like restorative that I love that's just really allowing your body to rest. And in that, like, for me, it's a lot of giving gratitude. There's just power in giving gratitude, you know, like there's a lot of positions just resting, like being able to find the beauty in resting your body and just allowing yourself to receive and that give and receive relationship. And then there's, of course, you know, some more of the flows that's finding like your warrior and your strength and, and finding your power. And so I do so many different styles. And I think it just depends on what your goal is, where you're at with life, like what you're wanting and to learn to bring more balance into your life and learn the beauty of finding your strength but also being able to surrender and feel that flow and being able to be tap into your body and being mindful of like, what is my body telling me? Where am I feeling this? And, and like a lot of our healing that we've done that we do with our clients is like learning to notice where you feel it in your body. So a lot of yoga is a lot of people are shut off, like, especially me with sexual trauma, I had shut off like the feeling in my body and I had shut off my intuition. Um, and so for me, it was rebuilding that connection to self and that intuition and feeling my body and like learning to know, Ooh, okay. I feel my throat closing in. Like for me, that's like sadness. And so like, I feel the sadness in my throat before my tears start welling up and like learning to know that because when you feel it in your throat, 
like I can catch it before the tears start going sometimes. And, not, and there's times to release it, right? There's times when it's a safe environment to release it. And that's a lot of my classes is creating that safe environment. But there's also times where you're like, ooh, I'm in control. I can catch this and you can catch it before the tears, right? Or you learn to recognize, ooh, this is off. Like for me, like knowing where my anger is, feeling my anger and knowing that there can be a power in anger and anger can be used good and learning how to have the power to turn the anger off and to have the control to turn it on. And so like yoga helps me gain that self-control, right? And just really feel it and connect all the pieces. And so, yeah, that's a lot of what, what I do. That is so awesome. One one little connection I would like to make. um, I've worked with some really nice yoga teachers and some of them, it's about the the movement, but a lot of them, it's more about the breath than the movement. So Mm -hmm. um, I I work with a lady who spent several years in, in India in ashrams and they would spend 45 minutes breathing and 10 minutes moving. So, so the combination of the two and, and how you two are, are finding to bring them together is is actually pretty wonderful. Um, so you, your story matches ours quite a lot. So um, the ups there, and downs of relationships, the traumas, different things. Yeah, it, it, the stuff you're saying, it's like I, instead of having my questions are more like, oh, have you heard of this? Because it's like more of a sharing of inter- information more of a sharing, kind of wanting to happen because yeah. it's, it's like yeah it's yeah. it's it's so beautiful to actually listen to to your story and how you're coming together and finding these yeah. um, as well and how the couples work together um one thing that you mentioned a little bit earlier was your kids and that you sometimes do some of these sequences and things with your kids tell us about that a little bit because you know bringing education home is about that how do we help our families how do we educate everybody in the family not just the kids and education not just book learning but being real humans how do you breathe how do you control your anger how do you you know deal when you're sad can you tell us a little bit about what you do with your kids with all of this yeah, one of the things that we really lean into um, that we really think is very important is emotional intelligence. Uh-huh. So I think that emotional intelligence is lacking in uh, so society, really, um, and really lacking in our children. There's not a lot of learning around what emotional intelligence is and how to share your emotions, share your feelings, and allow those things. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we do uh, is we do check-ins. Yeah. Uh, and so we all have uh, our, our animals. I'm the wise teddy bear. Um, <laughs> I'm a vibrant butterfly. Annalise is rainbow unicorn and <laughs> Owen is curious dog. Yeah. Love it. We share our animal names. So I would say like uh, wise teddy bear checking in and I am feeling, we have an emotions wheel mm-hmm. uh, and our emotions wheel has faces on it. So the kids can identify the faces mm-hmm. to help them identify whatever the emotion is. Right. So then we share, I am feeling excited, loving, tender. Um, and then we give context around that emotion. Okay. And then we say that we're in. And so that is giving our kids their ability to um, share their emotions and just recognize them. Um, right. Because otherwise, children will just shove down their emotions. And they, they do what they are taught and what they see. Exactly. Right. So as we teach these things to them, we notice that they speak to us more like we do tuck ins every single night where we come in together uh, as a united front to tuck our children in. Yep. And we notice that in those tuck ins, as we've been doing emotional check ins, they are more apt to share 
what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how their day went or anything that's bothering them. Love it. And then based sometimes on how their check-in goes, like if they need grounding, we do barefoot walks or like we are mindful too of like bringing in more grounding veg. Like we try to do that anyways, but kind of based on their check-in kind of determines sometimes where we go from there. But like breathing, one of the things like simple that we do with our daughter in particular with breath is like tracing the finger out and in and out when she gets like worked up and she gets really worked up. She gets like hives on like hives on her face and gets really like red and stressed out and like a lot of mindfulness around that and Nick with doing the soma breath work he ties in like a lot of shaking like shaking it off and we'll do like a lot of dance parties and a lot of and have the kids like pick the music or pick something to engage and then we add things in so we'll do like add in type exercises and then we do sometimes like partner yoga or evening stretching and just like different um, ways to engage and kind of tie things in to, to make it fun. And simple things, even like I spy, right? I spy is simply a, mm-hmm. uh, a game of mindfulness. Exactly. Right. And so we are, con- I, I've, we've learned in our journey that mindfulness mm-hmm. is one of the most key things in managing your anxiety and your stress. Because when you slow down and just look around, like I find myself so often now mm-hmm. slowing down and just going, hmm, wow, look at the mountains, look at the sky, look at this tree, look at the birds. Um, so we teach our kids the five, four, three, two, one, the five mm-hmm. things you see, four things you hear, three things you can touch, two things you smell, and then one thing you, you taste or something you're grateful for. I love so those are the type of things that we're incorporating for them in hopes that they will have the things that we didn't have growing up that we're learning now. That is so awesome and amazing. I love it. And that's, you know, part of our education model is having those kinds of things that we share with parents so that other parents who are not quite where you are with their kids can help share and help them grow and develop that whole body, that whole person experience. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm 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 just blown away. I just keep thinking about things that we did that are similar. Yeah, exactly. So, like in her classroom. Um mm-hmm. before I left my classroom. Before her <laughs> before she left, we had like a bell set up and the bell would go off and then all the kids would just stop whatever they were doing and and take a deep breath. And there was another bell that they would stand up and stretch for 10 or 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. So these little things that, that I had picked up along the way, right. we actually started incorporating into our classroom. And it was right in the middle of teaching. The bell was random. I didn't even know when it was going and, off. And the kids and the kids came so much more to life and became mm-hmm. so much more grounded and just broke them out of their little yeah. trance throughout the day. Yeah. These, these little practices, just a little breath here. Yeah. a little thought there. So yeah, the, what, what you're doing is yeah. absolutely amazing and so yeah. needed. I wish we had found a More way sooner, way sooner <laughs> to, to, to broadcast this message yeah. like you guys are doing now. Yeah. That is awesome. I, was, I think the crazy thing is, is that we wouldn't have discovered this stuff without the pain. And I think lots of times we're always so eager, like we want to get through the pain. We want the instant gratification. We want the things now. Um, but looking back, like we're so like grateful that we gained these tools and, and now we're learning when we're going through the pain, when we're going through these things that like, 
this beautiful thing gets extracted from that. And it sounds like that's like been a lot of your guys' story too, is the beauty that's coming through that. Yeah. It's really great when you're actually in that painful moment and stuff is really falling apart and you can in that, like, Oh, this sucks. Realize, Oh, Hey, this is going to be really useful. Okay. I see where this is going and it sucks now, but Mm-hmm. this is going to be good. So if you can find in those moments of, oh, this is horrible, but, but it's going somewhere. Yeah. Th- those, those are little miracles in, in the moments of, of grief and pain. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it's so interesting because um, the, the science really shows us that that's what the case is. And one of the things that I lean into with this pain thing is the brain waves. So the, the beta brain waves, the high beta is the highest frequency and that's where it's almost the highest frequency in our in our brains right that's where the monkey mind is where our thoughts are just going like crazy where we where even like psychosis is but what the crazy thing to me is is that the gamma brave waves are just one that's just one step above it's a higher frequency and gamma is where the bliss is that's where uh, the yogis say where enlightenment is, is in, yeah. in the gamma brain waves. Mm-hmm. So scientifically, our brains even show us that through that painful craziness, one frequency higher is bliss. Yeah, so um, I, I did a breathing. I have a hyperbaric chamber. So I, I have I have a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. So I have a hyperbaric chamber helps me. Um, I, I did a, a version of Wim Hof in my hyperbaric chamber for, for an hour straight once. And, um, it hurt so bad. Like my, I like locked up, but the stuff that was going on in my head, um, I later had, was able to do five MEO DMT, um, as, as part of one of my healing journeys. And they were so very similar. I got to this giant white thing and this giant eyeball was staring back at me, um, and I think I actually passed out a couple of times and woke up and just kept breathing. So it like getting to that higher it state right? hurt it for me, the way my body works and the trauma that I have. But once I got through that and in that, it was it was a euphoric, weird, blissful thing. Um that yeah, that that you just can't quite get to on on psychedelics that that's something you have to get there on your own mm-hmm. um but with a traumatic brain injury my doctors actually recommend the psychedelics for the for the rewiring and the and the the neuro repatterning that, yeah, that goes that along with it exactly but one thing um, we've talked about a lot with other people that we've had discussions with is that, you know, you use the psychedelics or the other therapies, medicines, whatever, to help open yourself up so you can get to that next step of the breathing or whatever to make those yes. connections to keep the work going. The psychedelics so, like are, said, not, not are not a fix. It's not a cure. Yeah. It's not a, hey, this is going to fix your problems. What that does is it gives yeah. you just a little bit of room just a little bit to be able to be mindful and step back from the problem More and give yourself control. sometimes even just half a breath and maybe even a yeah. full breath before everything goes wonky. So it, it just helps you figure out where the work you need is. It does yeah. not, it does not 
fix yeah. things, but it gives you, it gives you opportunity. To, and to, like to what help. you're doing, you're doing the work, you're talking about it, you're working through it, you're thinking about it, you're doing the breath work exactly. So making that whole big connection is so amazing. I was thinking about the kids one more time Um, and your entrepreneurship, when you're like building your business and building your brand, are you sharing any of that with them? Are you sharing kind of the entrepreneur spirit with them? Or is that still kind of separate from what you're teaching and learning with them? It's definitely something we share. Uh, I mean, so when we talk about, I mean, uh, Owen actually turns 11 on Monday. Uh And so one of the conversations we've been having is, hey, dude, you're 11 years old and like you're going to be 16 in five years and you're going to want a vehicle. And so how are you going to produce income in order to have that vehicle? Because I'm a huge proponent of there there being buy-in to Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you have. And so yeah. I'm not the type that's, and I think, I think that Desi's on board. This is something still that we're kind of working through. Currently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like, um, hey, I, I, the conversation has been, hey, if you're going to want a car, what are you going to do pr- to produce that income to be able to own that vehicle? So we, we talk about like, like, what are things you could do? Right. Well, I'm willing to buy you a lawnmower and you can go out and hit up every person in the neighborhood and see if you can mow their lawn for 10 bucks a week. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do, you could do dog poop. You could do like, here's the things you could be do. So I, we are constantly putting the ideas in their minds. Uh-huh. Of, hey, this, if you want to do something with your life, you're going to have to make some money. And these are some things that you can do at a young age to, to do that now and start to instill that into them at this young age of like, hey, you don't have to go out and work for someone you can do things on your own and create your own income and create your own ability to bring in money. So it's definitely a topic conversation. And I think a lot of it that we're trying to tap in is like to tap into that creativity. Like mm-hmm. how can you like have things work for you? How can you use your gifts yep. in a creative way that other, like the people aren't thinking of, that people aren't doing? What are ways? So mainly to encourage them to like, think differently, not just think how we're programmed, to uh-huh. think, um, but to really take a, a different perspective. And again, this ties into yoga, right? Like for me, like yeah. inversion poses and stuff, right? Like learning to look at life different. And so that's kind of how we tie it in is with their creativity. And sometimes we bring them in on like our podcast and like different perspectives. Like we like, they think that's cool to like be part of it too. So sometimes we're physically bringing them into entrepreneurial world with us. Um, But a lot of times like it's to get them just thinking different. I love it. Exactly. Because an 11 year old's podcast about yoga and breathing would be, that would be pretty interesting. (laughs) It'd be a pretty interesting little niche. That's not, you know, mom, dad, kid to get, yeah, just a thought. Yeah, exactly. You know, instead of mowing lawns, it might be a little easier than mowing lawns and picking poop, <laughs> making a make a yoga video with mom and dad and start putting that yeah. online. So yeah. Yeah. Totally. But yeah, I mean both both of it, you know, either the physical work that they like the physical activity or the more creative online is it's so amazing to get those conversations started. Yeah, there's so many amazing personalities. So one of the things that I've been learning with with the stuff going on in my head is is about personalities. Mm-hmm. and personality traits um, and how different people are at a fundamental level. And so like, like very, the simplest is the introversion versus the extroversion. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many introverted people that 
that disappear into the background in school and aren't taken care of. And then the extroverted people seem to do really well. And then there's some in the So these personalities, as they go through life, people think they're bad or wrong or good or bad because they don't fit into normal, but there really is no normal. So part of what we're trying to bring into mm -hmm. it as well is this realization of the different personality types and, and how individual people are as well. Um, mm -hmm. And I have no idea where I'm going with this now, but it was really gotcha. cool a little while I gotcha. ago. It's to help them know that they aren't wrong or they aren't weird, that they're their person and that the um, personality type is to inform their actions. Kind of like you said, tying into the emotions. Why am I having that emotion? Well, if they understand their personality type, then they also know, oh, well, I'm having this reaction because my personality is trying to protect me or my personality is trying to do this. And it's not that they're stuck there, but they can inform their action or reaction based on how they know the personality types. Yeah, and once you also get into that, then you start getting into the cognitive functions. So as mm -hmm. I, I'm an INFJ, so I'm a, a, an introverted, introverted, in, introverted, <laughs> intuitive. So I spend most of my time in my head. I go very, very deep. I, I have a lot mm -hmm. of really, the way my brain works, is incredibly incredibly rare because my personality type is like less than two percent of the population and a guy infj is is even a quarter of that so i'm like one in 400 in a room so the way my brain works is, is really off and different so there's not a lot of people like me so most of my life i felt very alone and very um isolated mm -hmm. and had i had some of this information about my personality and how it works and the things that I, then I would have had the tools to better mindfully fit in with, with more people. Right. And that's basically what I'm doing now is I'm taking these tools that I'm, that I'm learning yeah. that I should have learned 40, 50 years ago that. <laughs> and help. Yeah. So with his coaching and things. Yeah. Uh, so talk about anything that's coming up with you. Is there anything in your business and your brand that you're excited about that's going to be coming up in the new year, et cetera? Actually, we have something together kind of in the new year in January. There's a men's retreat going on and a ladies retreat going on that we're accepting um, applicants for. Exactly. I'm excited to work together and actually be in the same space with you guys at that point. Yeah. Anything else? Um, we, we are working through that currently right now, where our heart is eventually, and where we're just not quite there yet, is that we do want to work with married couples, um, and do marriage retreats. Yeah. Um, currently that is something that we are working through what that looks like. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, figuring, we're figuring that out. Um, right now, um, you know, Desi's still busy with, with her normal job. And so that puts a constraint on uh, the things that we can do currently. Yeah. So right now I'm leaning into uh, doing men's retreats personally. Uh -huh. um, I'm going to be doing a couple um, retreats this summer in June and August. Okay. Uh, those ones are very special to me um, because we go out into the woods into a very, a very special place, a sacred place to me. Um, so we start out at, actually in, in, in our home. Uh -huh. here, uh, take, uh, take set up to seven men. Yeah. Um, we do some of the stuff that I currently am doing that's working quite well for me. Uh, I do a, a, some of the, the sauna stuff, um, cold water stuff, the breath work, um, check-ins, 
some of the things that that men are not used to. Uh-huh. Uh, so we get into some deep, vulnerable places, and then we go out into the woods um, in this very sacred place and just participate in mindfulness and really figuring out uh, when you. What, what I found is is that when I take away this thing, exactly, or um, just a, a brief period of forty hours, yeah, and I go out into the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 those that are not familiar of Schumann's resonance, um, Schumann's resonance is the pulse of the earth, and okay. the pulse of the earth is actually the same hertz as the alpha brain waves. Oh. The problem with Schumann's resonance is that it is covered by the electromagnetic fields of the cell phones and the 5G. Uh-huh. And so when you go out to a place in the woods where there is no covering of the electric magnetic field from the, from the, um, from all the, all the stuff that yeah. we use. All the technology, wires and the phones and everything. Yes, exactly. You actually are able to have Schumann's resonance, which puts yeah. you in your alpha brain waves and gives you the ability to reconnect with yourself. And uh, really, every time I do that, I realize all the things that are the most important to me. And I realize like what I really want out of life. And so it's all about learning how to slow down and just be because we're human beings and not human doings. I like that. Not human beings, Mm -hmm. human doings. Opposite. Yeah, exactly. I love it. You also mentioned a podcast, though, because I want to make sure that we, you know, get everything everybody so out do, there knowing where you are and what you're talking about yeah yeah we have a podcast that we do together uh, it's the walk is one podcast yeah. right now it's just us two rapping uh, at some point we're going to start bringing on guests mm-hmm. um, right now it's just us sharing our journey and the things that we've been through and how we're working through because we realize that there are so many couples who are out there silencing and suffering excuse me they're suffering in silence yeah. and they're not speaking about it um and hey you know there is a, there are some couples out there that are, are doing great and work and they're they're doing they're, they don't have a lot of problems the truth is is every couple fights at some point in their in their marriage mm-hmm. every couple at some point is going to have some difficulties that arise we are just being vulnerable and being raw and real and saying hey this is us, this is where we're at, and these are the things we're using to work through that. Yeah, and so our hope is um, just to create community around that, right? Like a reminder that me too, you're not alone, and some of the tools that we've found that's kind of helped us. So sharing through our humility and vulnerability and just being honest with what we've learned along the way. Um, And so that's our heart is to continue to grow that. We are looking to launch like Nick said, our marriage retreats later on, probably later in the year. Um, for us, the wrestling with doing that is our kids, right? Like family time. So we have this heart for marriages, but our kids are also nine and our son turns 11 this week, um, which is like such an important part of their life. And so we do have that little tug of war wrestling where we want to be part of it, um, but we also want to pour into people's marriages. So it's just finding what that looks like and getting really clear on that. And then mine is right now, I normally just work with clients on more of an individual one-on-one basis. I do do some group classes, some Zoom classes, a few workshops um, here and there, but a lot of mine is just um, 
really like heart work, a lot of like donation based and work with some Bible study groups. And um, for me, it's like just a really deep passion um, of mine and just a, a wanting to share knowledge and tools to help people work through those painful moments. And we need all of that. You know, we do. We need the sharing. We need the the donation of time and building community. And then those who, you know, are doing bigger retreats and stuff, we need all of that. And that building is absolutely amazing and beautiful. Yeah. People have been telling us that we should like try and figure out how we've stayed together for so long <laughs> exactly. and, and try and do retreats. But um, yeah, we, we're still on um, work on our communication quite often as yeah. we call it. <laughs> yeah. We still, we, even after 30 years, we're still working on our communication. Some, sometimes Sometimes very aggressively. <laughs> and sometimes. <laughs> yes. No, we love it. Oh, we have loved spending this time with you. Thank you for sharing your insights, your wisdom, your journey. I really hope a lot of people find value in our conversation and get a glimmer of something that will help them move forward. And how is there websites or anything that people can get in contact with you if they want your expertise on these certain topics? Yeah, um, the easiest place is just nickwingo.com for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're still working on Desi's website, but it's walkas1.com and it's the number one, not the, not spelled. So W-A-L-K-A-S-1. Perfect. Love it, love it. And of course, you're on Facebook, so they can probably yeah. look you up and find well, and it, The website has all our social media links on there, so you can direct link from that. It's, it's the easiest. So Love it. Thank you very much for your time and for being here. This is Bringing Education Home. This was Nick and Desiree, and we are so glad that they joined us today. Thank you, everybody, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you.